to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the holiday podcast that by some miracle is still going despite the fact that no one actually enjoys the sound of my voice. In related news, it's Hanukkah and we're talking about the nanny. So join us on an enlightening journey back to 1998 with the flashy girl from Flushing. This is the Hanukkah story. So over the bridge from Flushing to the Sheffield's door. She was there to sell makeup, but the father saw more. She had style, she had flair. She was there. That's how she became the nanny. I am young son of a butler who will surely grow up to be a successful barrister, Mike Westfall. And joining me in her groovy flower headband from the 1970s and equally groovy electric light bulb menorah. Please welcome back April Riley. Hey, April. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. I guess maybe your podcast is its own Hanukkah miracle. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for being here for another night of Hanukkah. Uh, I'm especially glad you're here. Because this was not a show I watched much of while it was on the air. So I'm really happy to have you on as a legit fan. Yes. Yeah. Like I've I've seen the entire, obviously, the entire catalog of um, the show. And so it's something I think I rewatched it like a year and a half ago, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, it's on HBO. If anybody, you know, wants to go and uh, rewatch. All there available for you. Uh, This episode happened to be conveniently on Facebook. Oh, okay. So on the official nanny website, uh, they they posted this last Hanukkah, so I watched it there. We, we get so many, we get so few um, Hanukkah anything um, that it's it's probably best to you know put it out as much as possible. Yeah, I'm glad it's there. So, uh, do you have anything else about your history with the nanny? Um, I mean, other than. I watched it when it aired live. Um, I wa- I rewatch it now. Um, I did actually visit the nanny house, if you will. I saw that. Yeah, I was up in New York City um, the weekend before this last weekend for the for the marathon, um, and I went by what is the exterior of the house in the show. Okay. Um, it's not the I believe like what they use as the house in the show. Inside is just a set. Sure. Um, but the the kind of um, exterior shots they took is up near Central Park. Um, I think it's like the Upper East Side or Upper West Side, one of those sides. Um, but it is actually not a house at all. It is actually very, very, very expensive apartments. Um, oh, you know. So if you want to live in the nanny house, you can. Uh, you know, a two bedroom is about sixty five hundred dollars a month. Um, if anybody is, that is all? interested, yes. Yeah, so yeah, just get out the old checkbook. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that they were like available to live in. That's kind of amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, and I know they've got like, cause it had a sign outside that was like apartments for rent call wow. so I looked it up online thinking, you know, what is a, what is a, an apartment in, in near central, you know, it's right up like a block off of central park. What does an apartment like that go for? And you can buy your own studio apartment in there um, for about, I think it was over a million dollars for a studio apartment. Had to be. Yeah. 
Um, and then for the two bedroom for rentals, it was like $6,500 a month. That's actually not bad considering the history of this building. I mean, I don't know anything about that. Like there was nothing identifiable outside that said like nanny house or um, wow. anything. Like I looked it up and I went there, but it's just unassuming. Um, I didn't want to like film too much because people were doing construction right next door. So there were ah. construction workers hanging outside and nobody else was there viewing the house. So it's not like a wild, like a widely visited like tourist attraction. Okay. It's more of a, if you know, you know. Exactly. Like if you were to ha- look it up, it will tell you and you can go visit, but there's no, you know, there's no identifying features whatsoever. Probably for the best. And that probably makes it better that they're kind of preserving the look of it. One and two, that it's not just this tacky tourist trap in the middle of an otherwise residential, very high end residential area. Very so. high end residential area. Yes, I'm I'm sure the neighbors are very happy about that situation. Yeah, I, I would imagine if you live there, it's probably best that you don't have, you know, throngs of people coming through each day, just a random person here and there. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. So all I really remember was that for most of the mid-90s, Fran Drescher was just inescapable. Well. Try as some other people might, but. I, I mean, that voice, you it haunts. Honey, are you forgetting what tonight is? Maybe I'll give you a hint. The first letter is Ha. (laughs) It does. You know, I had a friend in college who talked exactly like her. And I mean exactly. She's from Staten Island and just a joy of a human being. That those those two things actually don't usually go together very well. Staten Island and joyful human beings are not <laughs> often a pair. Well, no, I mean, she was great. But I already knew Fran Drescher. Well, before I say that, did you know her from anything before The Nanny? I mean, we have to understand that, like, The Nanny started in, what, um, 93? Right. Mm-hmm. So I was 10. Okay. Um, so I didn't have, I don't have many memories at all prior to 10, let alone of Fran Drescher. That makes sense. Okay. I knew her from the movie UHF with Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. She's like the secretary for the TV station. I have never seen it. I can tell you that. Okay. I almost like, I can't, other than the nanny, I I can't think of a lot that she has been in. There was that she was in This Is Spinal Tap in a smaller role. Okay. So those are the two things in the 80s, I think, that people would recognize her from once this started in 93. It was like, oh, it's the girl from The Thing. Right. Like, you kind of pigeonhole yourself um, into a... a, a, Oh, yeah. Like a certain kind of role, maybe, um, with that kind of voice and that kind of... I mean, she's unapologetically Jewish, and it's just delightful. Oh, yeah. She embraces everything about herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, and she's currently the president of the SAG-AFTRA union. I know she does a lot with, um, you know, just charities and SAG-AFTRA. And, and just, I think she's done things with like Broadway as well. Okay. Makes sense. I almost thought there was supposed to be a nanny musical at one point. Oh, how isn't there one? I'm still waiting. Like, I, I just feel like. Make it so. Yeah, she is. Um, she's kind of a, like a an icon for certain communities, um, and I just think that she could parlay that into um, big Broadway money if it <laughs> if she wanted to. Yeah, 
So the nanny had a couple of Christmas episodes in earlier seasons, including an animated one. You know, I haven't seen that one. Neither have I, but I definitely want to revisit that someday. It's it's on HBO because when I was scrolling through yesterday um, to find this episode, the Hanukkah episode, it's not until the very last season of the right. night. Um, but in an earlier season, it may be one or two. There is one that is, you, you know, how when you watch something, it shows you that you've watched it. And it's okay. the one episode in all six seasons that I have actually not watched. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it definitely looked like it was a special event. It's animated and it looks like. Well, it looks like the the intro to every every episode. Right. Like just um, it, the caricature kind of thing. Like cell shaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to cover the Hanukkah episode first, especially after learning that Fran Drescher really had to fight to keep her character Jewish. It doesn't surprise me. Like it's can you really name a lot of other, uh, you know, kind of openly Jewish character shows? Other than, um, you know, getting a re- like you got Ross Geller in, the, in, in Friends um, and now you've got the Goldbergs. But, right. you, you know, overtly Jewish, um, not something that you see a lot of. No, not. And, and especially not in the 90s, I guess, like her right. and Ross were the two really big ones. And the other ones were just that was really part of their character. And it was over the top, whereas she's not over the top so much as unapologetic i think is the yeah, best she uh, like she's not over the top in terms of being jewish but she is right. over the top in just that um kind of i don't want to say there's that new yorker just yes kind of gaudy you know the big hair <laughs> and the, the animal prints yeah. and all that because there's nothing jewish about animal prints and big hair um fashion icon right uh, but as she tells it several potential sponsors wanted her character named Fran Fine on the show, to be Italian instead of Jewish. But she stood her ground, and the show was better for it. I think it may have something to do with just the stereotype of that kind of New Yorker. And I've noticed there's a lot of overlap between Italian families and Jewish families, especially the mothers. Like, there's just a lot of food and a lot of just (laughs) strong opinions. Um, And so I have actually noticed there's that similarity. So I... doesn't surprise me that maybe back in the 90s, Italian was more relatable than Jewish. Um, it may have been an issue like, oh, we don't think this is going to do, do very well because, you know, who's going to watch a show about a Jewish woman? Um, where you could say that, you know, you, you could appeal to more people in terms of being Italian. Probably, but I'm glad she fought for it. Yes. So the Hanukkah story first aired on December 16th, 1998. Uh, Wednesday night on CBS, and like you said, it was during the sixth and final season. And by this time in the series, Fran, who was initially hired as a live-in nanny for the very privileged Sheffield children, has married the kid's father, Max, a Broadway producer played by Charles Shaughnessy. Oh, it's Hanukkah. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Well, we'll celebrate it tomorrow. Uh, There are eight nights of Hanukkah, aren't there? The first night is the most important. who appears to be otherwise best known from Days of Our Lives, and he had a recurring role in Mad Men. So I never watched Mad Men, but I did watch Days of Our Lives as a child. Okay. (laughs) Um, And I don't remember him in Days of Our Lives. Um, It was a recurring role, so... Okay. Yeah. Um, But apparently he's also a voice in the video game Saints Row 2 as one of the characters you can choose to be. Okay. 
a Broadway and a British Broadway producer. Yeah, like serious business British guy. Yeah. Rich guy hires a caretaker for his kids and ends up falling in love with and marrying her sounded familiar to me. And sure enough, it's on purpose. The idea for this entire show started as a take on the sound of music. Oh, that's like, oh, that's a really weird take on the sound of music, given um, the weird parallel of uh, Nazi Germany. Oh, versus, yeah. Well, <laughs> versus the, I mean... Other than that, it fits kind of perfectly. Yeah. But well, let's get into this episode. And like I said, if you want to watch it, the full episode is actually on the Nanny's official Facebook page that exists. So that links in the show notes and it's streaming on HBO Max. And we open, of course, with Fran cooking latkes. Which is interesting because it's a not I can't figure out is Hanukkah has not started yet. And it's also breakfast time. Right. Now, I don't cook my latkes at breakfast, but, you know, maybe maybe she cooks her latkes at breakfast. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how early you have to prepare those to be ready for. It's it's the morning before the first night of Hanukkah is where we open. Um, Yeah, I'm a box Manischewitz uh, potato flake girl. So hey. um, obviously, <laughs> whatever, um, you know, th- those things last a few years. So I just buy a bunch and I think um, I'm at the last of my last batch so okay obviously there's not a lot of preparation for me maybe she had a little more stress because her mother is there her grandmother is there so yes well i mean yeah it's always stressful when your mother's around (laughs) (laughs) gotta gotta keep that uh family recipe yes yeah but getting ready to head out is Max's son, Brighton, played by Benjamin Salisbury. I'll be remembered tonight's Hanukkah, so I want you home early for dinner because we're going to play Spin the Dreidel with Sammy, Yetta, and Ma. Yeah, I'll take worst ideas in the world for 500, please, Alex. (laughs) Whom I also remembered as the kid announcing the hockey games in the third Mighty Ducks movie, D3. He's with Paul Correa, who who was like one of my favorite hockey players at that point in life. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And this surprised me. Ben Salisbury went on to work at Universal Studios Hollywood as the director of entertainment and then director of operations for the theme park. Well, that's that's a real nice jump. Yeah, I think he's still working over there. I would imagine that his hair probably went really fast based on how thin it was in this episode. So his acting career may not have uh, had a lot of longevity without that hair. No, I saw picture maybe about five or six years ago and it's gone yeah yeah i mean he was maybe 20 in that episode and it is very thin up at the top and you kind of felt bad for that guy so he just embraced it yeah so fran tells brighton to be sure he's home early for dinner tonight so he can play dreidel with sammy yetta and fran's mother and brighton replies yeah i'll take worst ideas in the world for 500 please alex which is fitting because the year before this, Benjamin Salisbury was on Teen Celebrity Jeopardy, and he won with a final score of one dollar. Oh, because fellow teen celebrities Kirsten Dunst and Joseph Gordon-Levitt bet it all and lost. I was just about to ask who his uh, who his competitors were. He bet all but a dollar and was smarter for it. I didn't look up the question, but it's a good strategy. 
Also here for Hanukkah are Fran's grandmother, Yetta, played by Anne Morgan Gilbert. Fran, can I help you with anything? You know, if you can get me some more paper towels, I'd appreciate it. They make them in paper now? Who, before the nanny, is best known from the Dick Van Dyke show as his neighbor, Millie. No idea. I Once I connected those dots, yeah, I could see it. But before that, I was like, uh. But she's Fran's grandmother here with her fiancé, Sammy. And nothing, nothing could prepare me for this. Yeah, why don't you just play with your chocolate dreidel? <laughs> I'm right here, baby. It is Ray Charles. <laughs> Which is really funny that his name is Sammy. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I didn't even think of that. But Ray Charles shows up out of nowhere in the previous season as Yetta's new fiance. He's only in about four episodes, and this looks like it's his last appearance on the show. Okay. Yeah, it's always it's always a little surprise. Oh, I, you know, when you get to that point in a rewatch that, um, and I think it hit me a lot more as an adult, and that it's, it's Ray Charles. Yeah, and me going in completely blind, and we're not even a minute into this episode, I'm like, wait a minute! You just said you're going in completely blind. Oh, no! <laughs> That was unintentional, but uh, Ray Charles says Sammy gets to be the Gentile of this episode who helpfully asks, Why do all the Jewish holidays start at sundown? Oh, well, that's because God realized that before five to wear sequins is gauche. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's that's, a, that's really a, a niche comment because most of our holidays, we are not wearing sequins. They are actually pretty... Uh, <laughs> depressing and rough to get through, especially the ones where you're not allowed to eat. Sure. Yeah. A lot of fasting, a lot of atoning. Yes. A lot of lack of sequence. Yeah. Well, for, yeah, at least Hanukkah is more celebratory. Yeah. We have two types of holidays. It's they tried to kill us. We're not allowed to eat. They tried to kill us. Let's eat. (laughs) So that's, that's kind of how, I mean. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. So next in walks the Sheffield family's butler, Niles. Look, everyone, Mr. Sheffield's sister came from England to stay with us without any notice whatsoever. How happy am I? (laughs) Played by Daniel Davis, who, also known around this time for a couple of guest appearances on Star Trek The Next Generation, as a holodeck projection of Professor Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes. That's it interesting character yeah it's like he's a holodeck projection of moriarty who becomes self-aware and basically wants to be a real boy okay so it's uh the the pinocchio of star trek (laughs) sure uh and and niles and moriarty both have upper class english accents but daniel davis not british really he's from arkansas oh he plays that very well (laughs) I, i may have to look something like that up yep that's fascinating to me because I've never really seen like I don't watch Star Trek. Um, and so I've never seen him outside of this show. OK, yeah, that would have surprised a lot of people hearing his actual voice. So I might have to cut that in here. A lot of people, when they watch the nanny, they actually thought that you were really British and Charlie was putting on the fake accent. I know. I know somebody I got a fan letter said once. You should teach him how to talk. (laughs) Uh, Niles unenthusiastically announces the arrival of Max's sister, Jocelyn, played by Sophie Ward, who is British. Well, I flew in to surprise this man I've met. 
Listen to this. He's 36, fabulous taste, and a stunning apartment, which he did by himself. Do you realize what that means? He likes Barbra Streisand and James Brolin? <laughs> no, I finally met my equal. I know Sophie Ward from Return to Oz as one of the evil princess's other heads that she switches on and off. Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> but- like all of these extra roles that you have named so far are like, I wouldn't have thought of that. No, I see. I like to pick out the intriguing ones. Like somebody's extra head or a holodeck professor. Or the holodeck professor. Well, speaking of Sherlock Holmes, Sophie Ward was in the movie Young Sherlock Holmes as his love interest. Okay. What year is that from? 1984. Five, I Okay, think? then that would, I, I was thinking, Young Sherlock Holmes, is that? 1985, yes. Newer? Okay. Uh, directed by Barry Levinson and written by Chris Columbus. Couple of name, familiar names. Yeah. Here she is, Jocelyn, who congratulates Fran on her pregnancy. We found out the previous episode that Fran is expecting. Yes, post-wedding. Yeah, and that was a bit of an adventure this season. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be more of an adventure as the season goes on. Because there's not one, but two. That's right. So, spoiler alert, turns out to be (laughs) twins. But that knowledge comes later. At this point, Fran doesn't even look pregnant. No, she doesn't. No, but but the news is out. We were all so excited to hear you're expecting a child. You were? Well, it explained the wedding. (laughs) It does, it does, the shotgun wedding. Although, (laughs) she was not pregnant at the time of the wedding. No, she was not. Yes, just, just for clarification. Yep. Uh, So Jocelyn is there to surprise a man she had met, says he's 36, has fabulous taste, and a stunning apartment. That should be a red flag right there. You would think. (laughs) Foreshadowing. Uh, Invites Fran and the family, but she says it's the first night of Hanukkah as a family, and Max knows how important it is to her. Which cues Max walking swiftly through the kitchen and announcing, well, I'm off to Boston. To be fair, like, we're at... Gentile, if you will. It's very hard to pinpoint when Hanukkah is going to be. I guess so. Yeah, that's one. Like, I always have to look every year. All right, when is Hanukkah? When should my episode be? Uh, yeah, that I have to look every year. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even tell you when Easter is every year because um, I, I definitely can't tell you that. But it's no. not you know, all of our holidays are, are sh- now they don't shift according to our calendar, but I. I don't know our calendar any better than you know our calendar. (laughs) It's a lunar calendar, right? It is. It is. So it goes um, every four weeks. And so I know it's the the month of Kislev and it's the 25th of every month of that, which is odd in its own kind of right being the 25th. Uh, Yeah, that's. We had it first, by the way. (laughs) Yes, you did. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I have to go through every year when I get my you know, next year calendar, I have to go through it and I have to mark all of our holidays so I know when they're happening. Right. Got to make sure that none of them sneaks up on you. Um, Yeah, because sometimes we get a little, um, I remember it was last year when we had Rosh Hashanah that started on Labor Day. And that was not, oh. that, that was like a, a lot because I typically do something every Labor Day weekend. Right. I come home early and then you get ready for the high holy days and it's, a rough transition. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. Well, when we come back to the Hanukkah episode, we pan out from the Christmas tree. <laughs> Christmas music. To a riff of jingle bells. Yeah. I will say it's a beautiful tree, and I'm sure Fran helped make it so. Yes. I, I mean, it, the, the, the whole house is, is very well 
decorated for Christmas with a few menorahs strategically placed. Probably more so this year now that she is officially part of the family. And so this is like her first official Hanukkah as a family with them. So she's very excited and very upset to find out that Max is going to Boston and asks if he's forgotten what tonight is. I'll give you a hint. The first letter is ha. And he admits he completely forgot and offers to celebrate it tomorrow with the old, well, we got eight nights. I mean, he's not incorrect. He's not incorrect, but Fran says the first night's the most important to her. It usually is when we do our, you know, like the festivals and stuff like that that we have <laughs> around here. It's usually done like the first night of Hanukkah. By the eighth night, we're just so tired of fried things that <laughs> none of us want to do anything. Just, yeah, it's, yeah, that's when you just kind of sit and recuperate and just enjoy your company. Yes. Oh, by then the company's gone, luckily. <laughs> Well, he might have forgotten about Hanukkah, but also Fran forgot Max said he wanted to get a crack at a new musical workshopping in Boston, which he told her about while she was watching Chicago Hope. So that's his own fault. Never bring it up during the stories. <laughs> well, if Max is headed to Boston for a musical, that means so is his business partner, C.C. Babcock. If you think of anything nasty and hurtful, leave it on my machine. I'll check in. Mm. Remember, when you're in Boston, keep a scarf wrapped around your neck. It's not that cold. No, but it's that old. Played by Lauren Lane, who's mostly known for this, but earlier in the 90s, she was on L.A. Law as a news anchor. Huh, that's another... It's just so surprising how many of these shows that we name drop from the early 90s that like you never heard of again like you can't find him anywhere like la law what is la law you know yeah that's very much a time capsule show as far as i'm concerned yes just miss that boat entirely because i get like i was young too like i'm not watching all of these shows right and but I, like I've, I've heard there are a lot of these shows that you can't even find anywhere anymore unless somebody randomly uploads them to youtube right like, there's no you know, a lot of places will buy the rights to this show or that show. So you can go and you can rewatch them in some places. But a lot of them, like L.A. Law or Homicide, Life on the Streets. Oh. You can't find anywhere. Not even streaming? Like, I feel like that should be something that they would throw up on whichever network that was on their platform. I'm almost positive that uh, Homicide Life on the Streets is not a, a streaming. Like people are kind of like, where is it? I might, wow. I might be thinking of another show. I just remember some somebody name dropped something recently from the nineties, mm -hmm. and I, I that you know they can't find anywhere because it's not on a streaming service, and it's like it just reminds you of all the things that are forgotten in time. Yeah. Well, here's hoping they'll just start adding more things to these services as more people subscribe to them. Cece spends most of the series with a crush on Max, tried to stop his and Fran's wedding. Oh, yeah, she was she was um, uh, evil, like when it came to <laughs> trying to keep them apart during their budding romance. Yeah, like she looks like she'd be feisty the whole time. Oh, she was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's kind of funny where she ends up in this episode, which you're uh, you know, foreshadowing. Um, you know, based on the relationship she had with this person. The first four or so seasons, four or five seasons. Okay, yeah, we'll just say it. As recently as this episode, something has begun budding between her and Niles. Yes. But it looks like they're not quite ready to admit their feelings to each other yet. Um, It seems like, like if you understand their relationship prior to this, 
it seems like they are actually, you know, like have admitted the relationship. Okay. Their prior relationship was just snark and sarcasm and insulting each other. And like, they've made that, they've turned that into a relationship. Okay. Yeah. Like they've like, they've come to an understanding that their mutual hatred for each other is actually a budding love. Right. But they're the, the mutual hatred actually still exists. Oh yeah. They're still antagonistic to each other, but they clearly like it now. Yes. Yeah. Now it's a, now it's a kink. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not not so much. They're, uh, mortal enemies anymore right no they they found a common turn on which good for them well fran uh concedes to not having max at home for the first night of hanukkah but at least she can share the tradition with her new stepchildren uh wait one of them's going to boston too well at least i'll be able to enjoy the tradition with our children ready to go to boston daddy she's going (laughs) it's gracie played by madeline zima who funnily enough was also one of the kids in the movie Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Oh, she was a little ballet girl. Yeah. Ballet girl, yeah. With the yes. pinky finger. With yes. the T. Yeah. Uh, she's currently on the show Doom Patrol as Casey Brank, a comic book superhero brought to life by another superhero. Doom Patrol. Is that a cartoon? Ye- no, I think that's. It's a DC show, so okay. I think I think it might be in that Arrowverse. Okay. On the CW? Yep. One of those. Comic okay. universes are weird. Yes. So have fun with that. So Max, Gracie, and Cece leave for Boston, leaving Fran basically alone with her grandmother and Ray Charles. Uh, and now Fran's mother, Sylvia, is here. Darling, you know your problem? You don't know how to keep your man at home. <laughs> well, I can't even figure out how to keep you at home. And she is played by Renee Taylor, uh, who was also Ted's mom on How I Met Your Mother and Linda Belcher's mom on Bob's Burgers. Plays a lot of people's moms. Yeah, just imagine those three as siblings. Huh. <laughs> I mean, can it? You know? can make it work. Yeah. But here's where Fran talks about wanting Max to understand how important the traditions of Hanukkah always have been to her ever since she was a kid. And here comes the fun part of the episode, a flashback scene. I always loved that holiday as a kid. It's a very uh, groovy flashback. (laughs) Very groovy. So we see Fran as a kid in the 70s with her flowery headband and crop top. Fran Drescher herself is in a blonde wig playing her own mother, but it's Renee Taylor's voice doing the voiceover, which is funny. So boring compared to Christmas. Like, why don't we have a Hanukkah parade? Oh, yeah, after all that walking we did in the desert, we like to sit on the holiday. And then Yetta is actually still Yetta. Yes, Yetta still, and Morgan Gilbert still playing Yetta in the flashback, also with a blonde wig. Yes. And that's like the only thing that it says, hey, I'm a younger. Right. And Ma is wearing also wearing the groovy headband as she screws in candle shaped light bulbs into an electric menorah. I really I, I want to fact check this episode because I need to know when those, you know, kind of bulb operated menorahs came out because I'm not convinced it was the 70s. I had a Christmas edition like just candles very much like that that sat in your window in the 80s i remember we had those as a child because i remember like taking the light bulb out of one and sticking my finger into the socket oh no 
it was plugged in. So <laughs> I got electrocuted. Oh no. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I get for messing with Christmas decorations. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. Uh, but the younger friend here is played by Jamie Renee Smith, whose Wikipedia entry said she's best known from the movie MVP, Most Valuable Primate, <sighs> the one about a monkey who plays hockey. And that's that's another one of those 90s movies. Oh, really. yeah. There are so yeah. many different ones of those. Like animal movies. Right. They just, uh, the 90s. Yeah, this one was just uh, riding the Air Bud wave. Okay. Uh, Actually, I think it predated Airbud. I think you're right. And wrong. What was the first one of those? Was it was it uh, Monkey Trouble? Maybe might have been um, the first well, one. We had the one. We had Andre with the seal. I, I remember kids with monkeys often in the '90s. Mo- yeah, one of them was like a capuchin monkey, and I think it had the girl who played Danny from. Yes, uh, that that one is Monkey Trouble. Okay. Uh, then there was a uh, Dunstan checks in with the kid from the Santa Claus. Yes, there we were on the primates in the nineties, weren't we? We sure were. This one was about a monkey who plays hockey and befriends a deaf girl, played by Jamie Renee Smith. Okay. Uh, and all this talk about Fran always loving Hanukkah. The first words out of her younger self's mouth is, "Mom." <laughs> Why can't we have a Christmas train? <laughs> Which is like the hardest part about being a Jewish parent this time of year. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I can't even imagine. I think like that's why you're starting to see more and more of the kitschy Hanukkah stuff, even though that's not typically what we partake in. But it's right. um, it's our way of placating our kids. <laughs> there <laughs> you know, you here's, go. Your, here's your shiny Hanukkah things. Fine. Your Hanukkah bush. Right. Yeah. That's got to be tough. It is, especially living in the South. Um, we can, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of Jewish people who really hate the idea of any kind of symbolism for Hanukkah because it's actually not traditional. And I get that. And it's nice philosophy and everything like that. But when I, my, my kids are stuffed with Christmas at every corner, you know, I, I've got to have some kind of competition to lure them back on, you know, lure them back into the right. land of Hanukkah. Yeah, this is an important part of you that you can't just forget and you can't just have additional Christmas. Correct. But young Fran here claims it's boring compared to Christmas. And she adds she can't believe they're not even going to be with the whole family for Hanukkah. And her mom jokes, that's your present. I mean, <laughs> she'll, she'll grow up to appreciate that. That's right. Maybe she didn't remember it right, but back in the present, Fran says she wants that to change and reiterates she really wanted Max there so she could start a new tradition with her new family. Well, that brings Jocelyn back into the house. Apparently, the guy she went to meet turned out to be married with three kids and the mistress. So is she the mistress or was there an additional mistress? She was She was the backup mistress. Oh, my goodness. Right, like she was a second fiddle to the mistress. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I also thought there was an additional mistress, but either way, she doesn't seem too upset. She just emotionlessly walks off the camera before we hear her shout, Woohoo! Brand new bottle of scotch! Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that. what other reaction is there? You kind of have to be steel-faced going out of there, show this guy that you can't hurt me. Yeah, men are garbage. Gotcha. <laughs> no offense, Mike, but... <laughs> None taken. You're not wrong. 
I wouldn't say it's a struggle to not be garbage, but it has to be something that you want to be consciously aware of to avoid. Right. Like, I mean, you sh- your goal should be better to be better than yeah. scotch. Yeah, just don't be garbage. Yeah. Right. Every morning, wake up, don't be garbage. Right. And I do want to point out that the outfits um, between the three fine women um, in this scene, the amount of leopard print they all are wearing. and Oh, yeah. The leopard print teapot and the leopard print mug. <laughs> yeah, they have a coffee mug with the leopard print. You got to match. Right. Um, it, I mean, it's really spectacular honestly it's like the more i rewatch, i i am a jeans and a sweatshirt kind of girl but <laughs> i would just I, I would love to just put on all of that <laughs> it's iconic it is they could still pull it off today you could still pull it off today I, I i mean i would need um to learn how to tease my hair that high but <laughs> <laughs> i'm willing to learn you spent time in new jersey you could pull it off i <sighs> I've got, I mean, I think they still sell Alquanet, right? Or was it bad for the Ozone? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, there's some sort of replacement for it. Yeah. Not that that has ever stopped like a Walgreens or something to have it in that one back row. Right. It's all still there. You have the 99 cent bottle, you know, giant bottle of Alquanet. Like the shiny metallic bottle still yep. hanging out there. That never stopped anyone. Okay. So meanwhile, we cut to Max, Cece, and Gracie, who are lost on the way to Boston in what appears to be increasingly heavy snowfall. And Cece's in a bad mood now, and Gracie calls her out on missing Niles, but she won't admit it. Miss Babcock, you know what I think your problem is? You miss Niles. Do not. So do. Do not. So do. Oh, please, will you two just stop it? I'm surprised he didn't pull a, say something like, don't make me turn this car around. Like, that would have been a fitting wrap-up to that, you know? I was waiting for that, but no, it transfers to Max and Gracie when she calls him out on being guilty for leaving Fran at home on the first night of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, where are they driving between New York City and Boston that is that desolate? I need to know. Right. It's just a <laughs> shut up I-95, right? Right. Yeah. I-95 never looks like that, that far up north. Uh, once you get into Maine, it does because we lived in Maine for a while. So in Maine, I ninety five looks like that. Sure, but that's after Boston, right? Between New York and Boston, it's not that woody. No, not not. through Connecticut, not through Rhode Island. Just no, no. I guess you don't have a plot without it. I guess not. Uh, Well, they were maybe they were off the highway at this point because it looks like they were trying to find where this place was. Or they did, just didn't want to deal with tolls. Maybe. That could yeah. be it, too. Uh, toll avoiders, basically. Yeah. But Max insists Fran said she understood, and this is business, and sometimes business has to come first. And now we get to flashback to Max's childhood, with his younger self played by Chris Marquette. You know what's my favorite thing about Christmas is? Having the family all together. <laughs> <laughs> What's your second favorite thing? (laughs) Who's gone on to star in the show Joan of Arcadia as Joan's boyfriend. And the nerdy kid in Freddy vs. Jason. He does not survive. Oh, they never do. (laughs) Nope, not the nerdy ones. While Max is remembering a lonely Christmas with just him and his dad, like Fran Dresser did before, Charles Shaughnessy is playing his own character's father, but here we see only the back of his head at one end of a very long dining room table, 
as young Max yells at him from the other end, like Bruce Wayne to Vicky Vale. <laughs> yes. How's the soup? Right. Dad, Dad, are you there? <laughs> and Max remembers his dad not being there for Christmas, claiming business is business, a thing we've heard Max himself say few times already. But before we can flash forward again to Max learning his lesson, his father in the past suggests, why don't you run along and play with that butler son? And we see young Niles. After all, he is going to be your butler one day. I will not be a butler. I'm going to be a barrister with my own estate and my own staff. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, played by a young actor named Preston Wamsley whose biggest credit on IMDb is on D.L. Hewley's late 90s sitcom The Hewleys as a friend of the main character's son. Okay. Sure. Uh, and as young Niles, he portrays Max's future butler as another butler's son who has high ambitions of being a barrister with his own estate and staff. He wants to be a barrister. Yes. Which I think is a... Is it an English banker? No, it's a lawyer. Okay. Poor kid. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he does not make it to Barrister. He sure doesn't. But as young Max laughs at that notion, we now see adult Max realizing his mistake and deciding to turn around and go home. He has CC call Fran on the cell phone, and because it's 1998, it's the big black Zach Morris phone. Yes. Did you know someone who had a car phone like that oh, no, this I early? Remember. We were, I, yeah, I grew up poor. So, um, yeah, we did, we were not associating with the kind of people in the 90s that would have had um, any, that kind of phone. And I didn't personally get my first phone until 2001, like cell phone, cell phone. By then it was like the Nokia brick. Right. I got mine in 2003 and it was this tiny little flip phone with the little green Game Boy looking screen that can only play Snake. Yes. Yeah. The Nokia was like, that was before the flip phone. And yep. so that was like just the, the mini brick. And just that was a, my yep, first the mini brick, in, uh, yeah. 2001, yeah. Uh, but before that, I had one neighbor who whose parents had a car phone in their, I think it was an Oldsmobile brand minivan with the wood paneling. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the, like, I, I remember seeing some car phones that actually were corded to whatever the black box that was in the middle that oh. provided their service. So wow. it wasn't like a cell phone. It was a, like a corded phone. Like a corded phone. Yeah, uh -huh. now that I think about it, yeah, they had a corded phone. This one's a cell because Big Shot Broadway producer has the money to afford a cell phone in a car. Yes, I would hope so, but not to pay tolls on 95. Nope. <laughs> and we cut back to Fran looking very tired and depressed to the point where she turns down a piece of... Rugula. Rugula. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's something I haven't encountered before. So it's it looks like a crescent roll. Like yeah, so it looks like a little sweet crescent up. roll. Um, but it's a flakier material or like a fl flakier dough, and we put some kind of filling in there. Like I prefer chocolate. Um, so you lay the chocolate and you roll it up. So you've got the chocolate. Some people do like raspberry. Um, oh yeah. Oh, I want like some a little now. pastry rolled up pastry. Yep. Yeah, well, they look amazing. Yeah. Uh, and even Fran tells Niles to leave the tray to them because she might have a mood swing. Yeah, um, she is pregnant after all. That's right. Uh, Sylvia then adds to leave the tray away from her because she's lost 30 pounds, and now Niles wants to know her secret. I'd love to lose more weight, but nothing seems to kill my appetite. Do what I did. I just looked at myself stark naked. Thank you. That killed me. 
Well, Fran's got another guest now. It's her pal, Val. I've been trying to lose weight, too. I've been on that two shakes a day diet. Oh, aren't those shakes very expensive? No, they come with the Happy Meal. (laughs) Played by Rachel Chagall, who's mostly known for this. But in 1987, she was in a movie called Gabby, A True Story as disability rights activist Gabriella Brimmer. Oh, okay. Uh, And she married the stage manager of The Nanny, Greg Leonard. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And they have twins named Eve and Jonah, which were the names of Fran's twins in the series finale. So did she have those twins before or after? I'm not sure. Because I want to know, like, who inspired who? It says that the twins were born in 1999, so I think they might have used her actual twins as the babies in the finale. That's That would be amazing. It's like they're not credited at all, but the timing lines up. I feel like I need to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, that's one, that's, that's, that's one way to, uh, I guess, pay homage. Yeah, to your to your time. You're about my babies. Right. So Fran's starting to get really worried now that Max hasn't called, but he finally does. But the connection's not very clear. So all Fran hears is, I'm sorry, we're breaking up. And she's like, you mean a phone call, right? Right. But before he can answer, all we hear is Grace shouting, I said you do mean the phone. Hey, is- Max? Oh my God, hold on, Grace. Max, Max. Followed by screeching tires and the unmistakable crunch of a car crashing into a snowbank. Is there crunch sound to that? Like just the snow kind of crunches <laughs> how I like the sound of a footstep, but a really loud footstep like okay. a car would make. Okay. Like not a really bad wreck into a wall, but Okay. Yeah. But, but and that's where they cut to commercial. Everybody asks how I stay so thin. I'll tell you, when you sound like this, you better look good. Three Musketeers. With rich milk chocolate and fluffy nougat, it's big on chocolate, not on fat. Say, can I get these to go? (laughs) The one benefit of HBO is there are no commercials. Yeah, that's really nice that we can immediately return with the somber back from the break music. And Fran on the phone with the state police and Niles grabs the phone from her and sternly says, now you listen to me. There are three people I love very much in that car. Well, two people I love and one with whom I have a very complicated relationship. It's true. (laughs) Now you get out there and you find them. And we get a great moment of Fran freaking out to Niles, turning around, seeing both Maggie and Brighton uh, and immediately switching to, oh, everything's going to be fine, kids. Classic parent move. Right. We're, we're just we're just talking. We're just talking. Yeah, she's a pro. Five stars. Maggie's the oldest daughter. Haven't mentioned her yet. Fran, why didn't I let Gracie take my sweater? Oh, it's baby. just a stupid sweater. Please don't worry. They said that they're gonna find them. She is. Now she was in some other things. Yeah, Maggie is played by Nicole Tom, best known for this. Oh, she was in the Beethoven movies. Okay. Yes. I, yeah, I remember the big dog. Yeah. Okay, and apparently is also the voice of Supergirl on the DC animated universe. A lot of voice. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good way once you age out of uh, yeah looking in Hollywood voice acting. So the kids, of course, are worried, asking, how do you know they'll find the car? And Fran finally gets her moment to explain the true meaning of Hanukkah to the kids. The miracle 
Sweetie, it's Hanukkah. Don't you know what this holiday is all about? After a war, my people only had enough oil to light the temple lamp for one night, but miraculously, it lasted for eight. Okay, friend, I have no idea why you just told me that. <laughs> and Fran simply explains it's about miracles and sends them into the kitchen for some soup Niles made. And as soon as they're out of the room, she switches off mom mode and shouts, they're all gonna die! <laughs> uh... And now, rather tipsy Jocelyn, who's on who knows what number glass of scotch she found, uh, unhelpfully adds, you know, if there's too much alcohol in your blood, the cold can kill you even faster. I, I don't understand her purpose in this episode. I don't know. I think it's just all the families here. Yeah. Yay! As we switch scenes to the car in the snowbank, looks like Max very nearly hit a tree, but there's a branch or two on the car. How festive. And it's like maybe you could hit reverse there, big guy? Just a bit. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It might be deep snow or they might be like in a hill. Yeah, or, yeah like rolled off the uh, the side there. So it might be a ditch of some sort. Yes. Because it looks like they're on the angle. Yeah, slightly. Uh, right. Uh, but Max tries his phone again and it's dead at this point. Cece cheekily suggests that Grace goes out to play in the snow while Max comes to the back seat with her to stay warm. Oh, so we have, yeah, we haven't dropped. That um, that hanging on of CC. I mean, she so sees an opportunity and is trying to seize it. But. I mean, you've got to keep warm somehow. Yeah, they have the car running though, so the heat's on at the moment, which is fine. Yes. For short periods of time, if you happen to be stuck on the road in cold weather, have you ever had to deal with that? Uh, I have not. No, no. me neither. Uh, for one, we don't get. I mean, I live in the south, so we don't get stuff. You know, cold. Cold, cold like that. Um, I've also never really been. I did go camping once. Oh. <laughs> so last, uh, so last, this time last year, I had a class that I was forced into going camping. And so I don't okay. camp. Um, I don't sleep outside on purpose. Um, but I had to. And so I decided to camp in my minivan. And so the nice. lows were in the 20s. It was in the mountains at this point. Um, and so the lows were in the 20s. And I just <laughs> remember it was. Being in my van was no more helpful than being in a tent. No. Um, and so just like, yes, I've experienced cold and being stuck in my vehicle in the middle of nowhere. So actually, yeah. Yeah, that counts. Uh, I've been stuck in the road during a downpour of rain, but only for about a half hour at most, thankfully. Right. And it's been a while since I've had to even drive in snow. So I had to look up what to do if you're stranded in a blizzard. And the recommendations range from letting your car run on with the heat on from 10 to 20 minutes every hour to conserve the gas you've got in the tank. And you also don't want to crank the heat. Only keep it up midway. Right. I mean, and it, it doesn't stay warm for long is what I've learned. Right. But but you really do want to only run it for 10 to 20 minutes every hour or else you're going to run out of gas really quickly. Right. And Max, unfortunately, only has gas left to run the heater for about another hour, he says. We have about an eighth of a tank of gas. That's enough to keep the engine running and the heater on for about an hour. That's, that should be plenty of time for the authorities to find us. He says they have an eighth of a tank of gas. And okay, I see where this is uh -oh. going. Yes. Great, let's do it. Symbolism. <laughs> uh, but Grace asks her dad what happens if the gas runs out and no one finds them. And suddenly dawns on Cece that if they don't make it out of there, I'll never experience the sweet touch of my beautiful knife. I 
Nice save. But you'd really think that if they're just between New York and Boston, that maybe you somebody goes up to the road and flags a car down. Right. They can't be that far from civilization. Right. Like they didn't. They're not that far into the woods, like down a ravine to where with broken legs, like get out of the car and flag somebody. Right. It's not like they're hanging off a cliff or anything. Right. We dissolve back to Fran, who's now outside on the front stoop, shivering because she's so worried. She can't stay cooped up inside. You know how you get you, you Like, she looks like a pacer who would have to get up and move around just to keep herself calm. Yeah. I'm like that. I am as well. Well, here Fran says it's been hours and hours and hours now. So it's the following morning. And well past the one hour Max said he had left in the tank. Fran doesn't know he said that, but we, the audience, do. And Val tells Fran she's got to think positive. And Fran remembers she has a lot to be thankful for. Had a beautiful wedding. Yeah. Baby on the way. Mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers' roast has just opened up around the corner. <laughs> and this was a great reminder that Kenny Rogers' roasters had some really good chicken. I've never had Kenny Rogers' roasters. So I've had, I had it in the 90s in New Jersey. Um, like coming back from uh, Six Flags, what is it? Great America in New Jersey. Great Adventure in New Jersey. Great Adventure. Yes. Um, so I had it, and it was good chicken. Wow. Yeah, like better than Boston Mark. I'm kind of bummed now because you there are no more Kenny Rogers roasters in North America. Oh, there's no more Kenny Rogers. Either. No more Kenny Rogers either. But the franchise <laughs> is now owned by a company in Malaysia. <sighs> That's sad. Like, so there are no more. Not in North America, but the only they have a bunch of locations in Asia and the Middle East. So if you go to Dubai, you can get Kenny Rogers roasters. That's 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 just really um, spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) Just just a weird ending to the Kenny Rogers roasters franchise. But I mean, apparently they're thriving. Yeah, still hanging in there. Right. Uh, So Fran looks up to the heavens and prays it's the first night of Hanukkah. Can we please have one more miracle? And immediately we cut to a Catholic nun who's standing behind Fran. Excuse me. Oh, my God. Oh, he must have gotten confused because of my new last name. (laughs) Why? Like, like we get this episode and you can't just you can't leave out the nut like why? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, and God knows how long she's been standing there either, but a surprised friend comments, oh, he must have gotten confused because of my new last name. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he is uh, very, um, I, I don't want to say goyish. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is very, it is, Sheffield is not. No, nope. It's not one of ours. <laughs> <laughs> no, very, very English, that name. Maybe Chef Stein, but. <laughs> There you go. But this sister who insists on only going by sister is played by Donna Hardy, whom I know from The Running Man. That that, that has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, doesn't it? It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. In fact, her character calls Arnold Schwarzenegger, quote, one mean mother. Flippity chippet. Oh, yeah, I, I hate that movie. I'm so... Uh, the, the whole futuristic, yeah. I'm yeah, uh, a lot of her, I'm, I am... 
a lot of her IMDb credits are just old lady. Okay. And it seems because of the running man, she ends up being old lady who cusses. Okay. So playing a nun is a change of pace for her. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Donna Hardy, she died in 2011 at age 98. Oh, wow. So 20. Okay. 2011 and 1998 is still, you know, 13 years or so. So, yeah. Uh, so this sister shows up, tells them she's been visiting next door and it turns out Val has parked behind her car and blocked her in. Double parking. He's the worst. So, right. Val goes to move her car profusely apologizes and crosses herself a bunch of times. So I can't remember, but is Val not Jewish? I don't read. I don't know. Yeah. Why? Like, yeah, you're, I'm the one with the history of this episode with the show. And I'm like, is Val not Jewish? Cause she seemed very, um, you know, familiar. She could have gone to a Catholic school. I think that. Well, Fran does say you're not 28 and in school anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe she did go to a Catholic school. Probably. And if you went to Catholic school at that time, or even when I was a kid, yeah, you'd be crossing yourself in front of the sisters, too. Okay. (laughs) Don't mess with the nuns. This doesn't look to be that sort of nun, but you can never be too careful. So that gets Val out of the scene, leaving the sister alone with Fran, who apologizes for being on edge and explains the situation. And sister suggests, why don't we pray together? And Fran replies, but I'm Jewish. Will you... Were your prayers work for me? She says, of course they will. So they close their eyes and pray. Oh, dear God, please, please, I beg of you. Silent prayer, dear. And because we're on sitcom time, it's only a matter of seconds before we hear Max off screen. Darling? Oh, my God. What have you got, Sprint? (laughs) I will say about this whole scene, it really feels like they were afraid of going to Jewish with this episode. Yeah. And so they just threw in the nun to appease people. I guess so. Yeah. It's just like you and I aren't too different. As somebody with Catholic in-laws, that is not correct. Yeah. But it's just like, no, man. Right. I have Catholic in-laws. It's, (laughs) (laughs) we don't pray together. No, really? (laughs) No. Aw. Nor do we get along. Yeah, like my parents wouldn't care. They would welcome it. Right. Yeah. They um my daughter had her bat mitzvah last December, and my sister-in-law right. made sure to wear a nice big pendant of Jesus. Really? For a synagogue as a, wow. a nice little, uh, yeah. I feel the need to apologize for right. yeah. Yeah, like just that little jab there, like goodness gracious. That I didn't see her wear the entire trip, but she just like had this just put like, that on necklace of Jesus, just to be like, now listen, yeah, it's your right. birthday, and it's your bat mitzvah, and that's important. But yeah. right, she was there for the bat mitzvah during Hanukkah. That's rude. Yes. No, uh, but a shocked Fran is very grateful. Looks at the nun and said, "What do you got, Sprint? Hey, remember Sprint, a company that no longer exists." I know. I was just actually thinking about them before I watched this today. I passed an AT&T store and it's like, well, that used to be a singular. Like, you remember singular? <laughs> oh, singular. Right. Um, so like that, you know, then I was like, well, how many defunct cell phones? And it's like Sprint is now was absorbed by T-Mobile. Yeah, they all swallowed each other up. Right. So it's now like you've got Verizon, AT&T. And- yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Spectrum's trying to get into the mobile game now. 
so is Ryan Reynolds. So is Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just going to buy each other up. Right. Uh, but Fran rushes to hug Max and Grace, and for anyone who didn't pick up on it earlier, Max explains. I thought we had enough gas to keep the engine going and the heater on for about, oh, I don't know, an hour, but, well, it lasted for eight. Oh, that's like Hanukkah. The oil lasted for eight days. We both had a miracle tonight. We thought they only had enough gas left for one hour, but it lasted for eight hours. Hanukkah. Again, they're on sitcom time, and... They have their own story to tell with these characters, but I thought this was an okay way to tell a very brief but meaningful version of the miracle of the oil in the nanny verse. I mean, it's not Rugrats Hanukkah special. No, but... it's not. I guess Fran Dresser was just taking the wins that she could get. Yes. So I will say, like, when I watched this episode, when you cut the commercials out, it was 21 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Nice and brief. Yeah. Uh, and she thanks the sister for praying with her. Sylvia comes out, is very happy to see Max and Grace okay. Then calls for Niles to get her coat so she can go home. And Fran shouts, another miracle! <laughs> Does she leave Yetta behind, though? Yetta and Ray Charles? Oh, yeah. Yetta and Ray Charles hang out. Because we cut to that night. It's the second night of Hanukkah now. But Sylvia decided to come back for, for the night. So I guess she was just leaving for the morning. Yeah. Because Sylvia is the one who lights the menorah, and we hear everyone finishing the blessing in Hebrew. Yeah. Now that is a win. Yes. They kept it in Hebrew. I watched this on Facebook with the captions on, and they didn't even try. They just <laughs> they skipped just to the next line. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, it sounded okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Because uh, I know that there are like two or th three lines of that, depending on the night. But um, yeah, well, there's uh, so the first night we have the actual candle lighting blessing, which is it, right. it's the exact same as the Shabbat candle lighting blessing, except you say instead of saying of, of Shabbat, you say of Hanukkah. Uh, so okay. <laughs> you're only changing that last word. All um, right. And that's what it sounds like here. On the first night, we had well, we also say what's called Shehekianu, which is like kind of a blessing to. Thank you for this new experience. And the first night of Hanukkah is considered a new experience. Okay. We had that one in just the first night. Well, it is a new experience. Mm -hmm. So glad they squeezed that in and they got it right. Yes. Uh, and a very happy and thankful friend tells everyone she knows it's the second night of Hanukkah, but it's the best first night she's ever had. Yes. And because you don't invite Ray Charles to your Hanukkah party and not have him play <laughs> piano. Yeah. He plays us out with a short but sweet rendition of There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays. There is no place like home for the holidays. Yeah, that was a nice, uh, you know, at least it was somewhat inclusive. Yeah, no, Ray Charles is the best. I'm glad he's here. Yeah, well, he was. A sweet way to end the episode. But wait! We're not done yet. We get a dorky epilogue scene over the credits. The wine, you know, the wine drinking in front of the Christmas tree, a la the parents after, you know, Christmas is over in a Christmas yep. story, except without the wine. Without the wine. No, Fran and Max are up late watching something together, snuggled up on the couch with popcorn as their younger selves look on from the stairs. Mm -hmm. Getting some sort of miraculous glimpse of their futures. 
including young Niles, including young Niles. We have well, first we have young Max very excited about his future house and hot future wife. Isn't this smashing? This is going to be my house and she is going to be my wife. Young Fran is impressed that she's going to end up married to a gorgeous man, pregnant, end quote. I still look damn good for 29. <laughs> the joke is she's not 29. A woman never tells her. That's what we call a Jack Benny special. But the young Niles is also here wondering where he is, assuming he's off being a successful barrister. But nope. In walks future Niles with an apron, mop, and bucket, <laughs> leaving his younger counterpart depressed for a few seconds. Before Cece walks out and says goodnight, and this boy's eyes light up like a dog who just heard the word walk. Not all. Ooh, who's that? <laughs> at least he gets a little something at the end, you know? That's right. I mean, because that's a, that would be really a, kind of a depressing thing. Like this kid with hopes and dreams of not being a servant right. finds out he is a servant. So, you know. Yeah. Good things come to those who wait. Cute little silly way to take us out, but we made it. Gas tank lasted. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad we watched this. This was great. Yeah. I would I would encourage a, a you know, if you ever find yourself compelled with the free time, I would uh, you know, the it's an easy re, it's an easy watch. Yeah, this this was really a time capsule of the yeah. mid-90s. Yeah. It's uh, oh, it gets so much like in in before that. It gets it's even better. Does it? Yes. Um, just, it's very in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Even yeah. just watching this. Like, very entertaining time capsule. But, like, you also appreciate how, like, there are storylines, but because the episodes are so short, it's an easy thing to watch. You know, your episodes are 21 to 23 minutes. Mm -hmm. You don't have the commercials if you're watching on HBO. Right. Um, so it's just something easy to watch. Whereas now, you know, if you're going to watch a, a series on Netflix or a season, you better get ready to invest like 27 hours. Oh, yeah. And they're all hour long episodes. Mm -hmm. No yeah. commercials. So like they fit in that hour as right. much plot as they can. Right. Not a lot of like cutting for time at all. Right. So it's not something, you know, it's not necessarily like you have to be invested to do a Netflix series. You do not have to be invested for the nanny. Nope. It's very entertaining in bite-sized plots. Fran, of course, is a very specific fashion icon, mm -hmm. but never lets that distract and let all the details and characters surrounding her shine and have their own moments. Right. <laughs> and almost everyone in this episode has their moment. It was really great. Yeah. Except for the older two kids. I don't feel like they had. Yeah, I guess you're right. Right. Like, you know, she, you you get, uh, you know, the oldest daughter, Maggie, who is, you know, she's got a sweater moment and then a brief panic moment. And then you've got Brighton, who has his Jeopardy and his brief panic moment. But it's really, by this point, I think they were both adults and maybe they were featured. Yeah, they were, they're getting up there. Well, I know, like, before this, when Fran was, trying to get pregnant. I know Maggie had a pregnancy scare as part of that plot. Yes. Yeah. Like the, it, when the test was supposed to be for her or something like that. Right. Like, you know, cause Fran wasn't expecting it, I think. Right. And then at the end of that, I think is when she found out, well, guess what? Getting a new little brother or sister or both. That's right. 
Uh, but thank you, April, for sharing another Hanukkah with me. Oh, you're welcome. I think this is our third, right? Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Boy, time flies. It sure does. And we still we still have other specials and episodes to watch for Hanukkah. So we're not done yet. I'll see you guys next year. That's right. At Hanukkah. <laughs> and if people want to flirtingly tell you they hate you with passion in their eyes, where can they find you on the Internet, April? Um, I would say you could find me on Twitter, but how well that will age, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, I, I am uh, at where to next April on Twitter. I am not so active anymore. Um, we'll see. We'll all see. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever still exists will be in the show notes. So you right. can f- find those at adventcalendar.house. My socials, whatever they may be, are there as well. Thank you again, April. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to cover Hanukkah. Thank you. Well, podcast pals, we'll be back in a couple of more days to light the night. Until then, for April Riley, from a misremembered flashback to my distant, lonely past, this is Mike Westfall wishing you a happy Hanukkah and reminding you to watch out for that icy patch, whether it be in the doorway or on the road. Drive safely, y'all. And now, these messages. Do you fondly remember blowing the dust out of a golden Nintendo cartridge to get it to work? Get the dust out of it. Alright, here we go. Yes, let's get it! Now the screen's gray. Aw, man! Or those long nights when you were up late fighting Ganon and you'd hear your mom coming downstairs. Hello? That's mom. Uh, pretend you're asleep. Wait, pause it, pause it, turn off the TV! Do you think she's gone? Make a sound. Hmm. I thought I heard two boys down here. Oh, well. Well, Ben and Pat are here to transport you back to those exhilarating moments as the Hyrule Podcasters. Join the two brothers each week as they play through Zelda games in Nintendo's legendary series. Episodes are filled with color commentary, lightly researched facts, personal anecdotes, and more. Hyrule Podcasters is available through Anchor on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Hyrule Podcasters on Facebook and Instagram at Hyrule Podcasters and on Twitter at Hyrule Podcaster. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Just like-